0: Brought to you by BASF. We create chemistry.
1: Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Studio 1.0 podcast. Straight from the tech team at Bloomberg News, I'm Emily Chang. Here with Brad Stone, our global head of tech at Bloomberg, Brad, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you, Emily.
1: And this is the second episode of the Studio 1.0 postseason. Now, I know I told you we were going to be hearing from Peter Thiel this week, but that's actually going to happen next week because we got a great interview with Ellen Powell that we wanted to bring you right away. Ellen Powell, of course, uh, best known for suing her former employer, Kleiner Perkins, for gender discrimination. She was a junior partner there. Uh, she ultimately lost on all counts, but she became this symbol of... Uh, Diversity and potential issues around diversity in Silicon Valley. It was a case that got national attention, and she was at the epicenter of it.
2: That's right. Almost as important of who she is as what she represents. And while she lost the case, and while maybe the fact pattern wasn't ultimately in her favor, she really started a discussion. And and it's been incredible to see in the in the years since she lost the case, you know how many venture capital firms have been really held accountable uh, for the lack of women in senior roles.
1: She's back now because she's launched this new diversity initiative called Project Include with a number of different women in Silicon Valley, including Frida Kapoor-Klein, including Tracy Cho of Pinterest. And the goal of this new initiative is to speed up and accelerate diversity in technology and technology companies. They're going to be uh, working with startups of a certain size, not too big, not too small. Uh, They're going to be uh, looking at recommendations, measuring their success. Uh, We'll see how it works in practice, Uh, but a big initiative for her, uh, and, and the first time we're hearing from her since she left as interim CEO of Reddit. So uh, the timeline here, she lost on all counts. At that point, she was interim CEO of Reddit, and then a few months later, she left Reddit as well. And while she was at Reddit, she tried to make some pretty bold changes. She tried to crack down on online harassment, for example, and Brad, the community uh, sort of retaliated.
2: Right. I mean, may, some people may not know what Reddit is. It is really, I mean, think of it almost as the Wild West chat room bulletin board of the internet and the style of, you know, the old Yahoo groups or the AOL chat rooms. It's this community, very tech-oriented, very geek-oriented, where these days you might see, uh, you know, next to a conversation about uh, whatever news from a big uh, business, suddenly you see gifts of pets uh, next to, you know, political pratfalls from the campaign trail.
1: You know, part of the problem with Reddit is there is a lot of hate and a lot of misogyny and things like... Death threats with which Ellen Powell was on the receiving end of, and those are the kinds of things um, she was trying to change. Do you use reddit brad?
2: I do not use reddit i 'm an occasional visitor, but you know, it's going to be tough to turn it into a real business. You know, as we've seen over and over in the history of the Internet, these unruly, unmoderated corners of the Internet, you know, where you, you want to protect the principles of free speech and that allows some, some really unsavory you know, speech to, to come into the dialogue. It's hard to build a business around that. Advertisers don't really want to have anything to do with it.
1: Now, what happened is they ultimately brought Steve Huffman back to the company, one of the, founders the founder of, of, of the company, one of the co-founders. Uh, they did raise capital back in 2014, $50 million. And it's interesting because they have such a loyal, engaged audience. But the question has been, how can they monetize that audience? How can they make it attractive to advertisers when you're seeing such a range of discourse?
2: Right, and they hired a former Google advertising executive named Zuber Jandali, who has had some small uh, incremental success in bringing advertisers onto the platform. Earlier this year, they experimented with Coca-Cola uh, in, a, in an ad that basically it was a tie-in with Marvel, and it asked, um, what superhero matchup would you want to see? And they distributed that to the subcategories of discussion called sub. Reddit and and you know in the way Reddit uh, does, there was a discussion around the ads and that worked, but it was still small. It was experimental. I think some brands are in the experimental stage, but there will be this question: Do you want to risk your brand when you really can't control the content?
1: The big question is how much change can Reddit users tolerate? Of course, Reddit was founded before Twitter existed, and you might think uh, you know Reddit users might Reddit users might just head over to Twitter. You know, if they try to clean up the site seriously. Is there a real risk that these users go somewhere else?
2: Yeah, I don't want to sound too pessimistic. I just kind of look at the history of the Internet to things like Yahoo groups or even Facebook groups or way back to AOL you know, these these user-generated forums, they tend to be pretty ungovernable. You know, chaos is bred there. And, you know, as we saw with Ellen uh, and one of the reasons why she left Reddit and why she lost the community, she did, to her credit, try to clean it up. And this is, you know, this is a, a crowd of kind of fiercely independent-thinking people, and they, def- they, they often don't want to be controlled. And when you do try to control them, they find ways around it.
1: Now, if they left Reddit, where would they go? Twitter, to be fair, is very different. Yeah, well, go?
2: remember Dig? Remember the user-generated discussion site Dig? They were, you know, they were using that, and Reddit came along and kind of peeled community the community away. There, there is always another place. There's always another corner of the internet. Um, you know, maybe not Twitter. Maybe it's something that we haven't heard about yet.
1: Well, we got a chance to catch up with Ellen Powell. I asked her about Reddit. I asked her why did she really leave. Uh, but first, we started talking about Project Include, this new diversity initiative. Take a listen to what she had to say. It's been a year now since the verdict, and today you're launching Project Include to speed up diversity and inclusion in tech. Why do you think this will work when so many other things haven't?
0: We've pulled together a team of women who have almost 150 years of collective experience in tech. So we've seen all the problems, we've seen all the issues, and we have a set of recommendations of what people will be able to do to solve these problems, and we think that our years of experience, the research that we've done, will really make a difference.
1: Now, if you give this information and these recommendations to CEOs, startups, companies, what makes you think they'll actually listen?
0: We've actually had a couple who have um, said they want to use our recommendations, and they're willing to participate in our startup program, and we also shared it with a bunch of CEOs and engineering managers and other types of executives, and they've, they've... They say they agree with what we've recommended. So we're not telling them to, you know, fire everybody and start from scratch. These are just ideas that have come through actual experience, things that people have actually done, things that we know and are sure will work. So it's coming out of, you know, people's experience, the research that's out there. It's just pulled together into one integrated document or website that will help people um, do what they say they want to do in a way that we think will actually work. So which
1: companies have actually committed?
0: Uh, we can't talk about that. So we're, um, we're still talking to people and um, but I'm excited that people are interested and that people agree with what we're saying.
1: Now tell me how it's going to work because you're going to work with VCs who, who do have a lot of influence over these companies. You're working with companies of a certain size. You know, who will do this and how?
0: So um, we have two different programs. One is for startups and then the one for VCs is still too early to talk about. The one for startups we're looking for 18 startups That will, are, that are between 25 to 1,000 employees in size. And we want to have three meetings with them basically. One to get things started. You know, what kind of recommendations are you going to do? Where are you in terms of your metrics today? What metrics are we going to collect over the six months? A second one to, um, three months in to see like, where are we? How are you doing? What's working? What's not working? Let's all learn together. And then a third meeting to, Figure out like where did we end up, what really worked, what do we want to change in our recommendations based on these experiences, and you know what's next.
1: So for companies as big as Google, Facebook, Apple, where we're talking thousands, tens of thousands of employees, yet women make up 30% of the workforce, 20% or less in technical roles, is it too late for them?
0: I don't know. We're, we're focused on the size of companies where we think we can really make an impact, where the CEOs can really move things, where you know this idea of innovating and changing really quickly and moving on the fly is most um, most appropriate and most impactful.
1: So what will your role personally in this initiative be? Are you committing to this full time?
0: No, we're, we're all, it's been funny, like we've pulled this, together this project out of um, just our spare time working together, really enjoying our process of working together and getting a lot of things done. So this has been kind of a passion project for us on the side and we're all gonna continue in our own work but continue to drive things forward as a team.
1: So let's talk about your own work. I mean, you lost an incredibly high profile case on yep. all counts. You were interim CEO of Reddit for eight months. What have you been doing since then? What's it been like for you? Yeah,
0: I took um, I took about five or six months off and, then, um, and that was great, spending time with my family, uh, going on vacation, getting some Rest, getting a lot of sleep, which was nice, mm-hmm. and then started working on this and pulling together the team of people that um, that are there today. So, Frida Kapoor Klein, Bethany Blount, uh, Susan Wu, um, Laura Gomez, Yvonne Hutchinson. Um, I know I'm going to miss somebody, uh, and uh, Erica Baker, and um, I know there's one person I'm missing, but um, and. We've been working on this and pulling this together, and I've also been writing a book. So I'm in the process of. You um, are writing
1: a book? What is the book book about?
0: It's about a lot of these same issues, but animated by individuals' personal stories, including my own. So, what were my experiences in tech? Um, Why am I still excited about tech? And how do we um, get through and make it a more diverse environment?
1: So, are you looking for a job, and what's that process been like? Because, you know, immediately after the trial, you said, people were nervous even to be seen with you and that it was a very difficult process.
0: Yeah, when I was at um, Kleiner Perkins, it was very hard. People inside and outside didn't want to be seen with me. Um, It's changed quite a bit since then. I think um, people are becoming more aware of these issues. It's not my one story. It's a lot of people sharing their stories and having similar experiences. Um, I've been working on the book. I've been i um, not looking for a job until I get this book done, and then we'll see what happens.
1: So you've said you don't regret it. Now that you've had a year to reflect, would you do it again?
0: It's a good question. So I would do it again, but I'll tell you the same thing um, that many people told me when I was talking to people who had sued, mostly in financial services. Um, they all said they would do it again, but they would not recommend other people to do it.
1: So what would you recommend to other women or minorities who feel that they're being discriminated against? Do they
0: sue or do they go somewhere where they're going to be more appreciated or somewhere else? Yes. Yeah, so I think it depends on where you are. If you think people will listen, then you know, try to change from within if you have that energy and if that's a, the um, path that you want to take. You know, but you know, at Kleiner, I tried to change from within and it didn't work. So if that really isn't going to work, then go someplace else.
1: If you believed you were so wronged, why didn't you appeal?
0: oh, the legal process is just really hard. It's, you know, it's just, it's so expensive. You know, you're not matched in terms of resources. They've got teams of people. They've got teams of PR people attacking you and your family. It just, you know, at the end of the day, I thought, you know, I got most of my story out. I can write a book to tell the rest of what I want to share. And I think people heard what I had to say.
1: Now, Kleiner has more women partners than most top VC firms, let's be honest, and they say this wasn't sexism, that you weren't good at your job and you didn't deserve to be promoted. Over the last year, was there any part of you that thought maybe they were right?
0: No. I saw the other women who had similar things said about them, and I believe that the group of us were not treated fairly.
1: John Doerr uh, recently decided to move on and become chairman of the firm. He wants to be a player coach, and he told me that he wants to focus on developing new talent. What would you have to say to him? Do you have any advice as
0: he brings up the next generation? It would be great to include some women and some underrepresented people of color in that group.
1: Have you seen him? Have you talked to him? Do you guys have a relationship at all? No. So, you went on to become uh, interim CEO of Reddit and you did some uh, pretty bold and and controversial things. You tried to crack down on online harassment, but the community revolted. Um, There was a petition calling for your resignation. What happened? Were you fired? Did you feel pressured to leave?
0: Those were, you know, there are a lot of things that happened back then that are hard to explain. Like I could write a book just about what happened at Reddit in those last few months. Mm -hmm. I think what um, I took out of that is that, you know, it is very difficult to change a community once it's gone in a certain direction. And what I hope, you know, other internet companies realize is, you know, when you have problems, They scale with your company, and it becomes very hard to to revise the approach that you've taken once that genie's out of the bottle.
1: So what can be done to make Reddit safer for women, safer for minorities? Because, I mean, if you look at what's online, it's outright misogyny, outright rape threats, outright death threats. I mean, you were on the receiving end of some of this stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you have to hire, you have to build up your team, you have to build up a giant community team, you have to build up a bunch of um, technology. It's something that, you know, my understanding is they are trying to do, and uh, you know, the jury's still out on whether or not they'll be able to do it. It is hard. It is much harder to do now than it is to do for a much smaller company with a much smaller community, and you know, it's hard work. You see that from Twitter, you see that from Facebook, Facebook, you see that from Snapchat. Going back and trying to fix things later is always harder, and that's why we're focused on the startup size where, you know, if you can get your startup to be diverse and inclusive, just like a community from the earliest stages, hopefully that grows with the company and grows with the community and builds in all of the great things that you want from the get-go.
1: Do you think we're harder on women in leadership roles? Do you think we hold them to a different standard? I'm thinking of Marissa Meyer at Yahoo or uh, Ginny Rometty at IBM who are in in these turnaround situations that some would call a glass cliff.
0: It's a hard question because I don't know the details of what they're doing. I don't know the details of how how they've gone through. I know that um, the leadership roles have a much lower number of women than it should be in there and that there should be more women CEOs and There is definitely something going on that is making it harder for them to succeed and that's making it harder for them to um, get into those positions.
1: So how do we get more women into technology? What's the answer here?
0: So my friend Hadi would say it's code.org. So get all the girls in at the early age, have them code and get them into school. I think that is one piece of the problem. I think the bigger problem is once they get in, Are we making them in an environment where they have a chance to succeed? Are we giving underrepresented people of color opportunities to learn and to get hired and then to get promoted and then get into roles where they can actually lead? And part of that is, um, you know, we have a lot of bias. Part of that is we um, are not finding the people and making an effort because we are comfortable with the way things are. So a lot of things have to change for that to be a reality.
1: I recently spoke with Mike Moritz, chairman of Sequoia. They have no women partners in in the United States. And I said, what do you feel is your responsibility to hire women? And he said, we're looking hard for women, but we're not prepared to lower our standards. He later clarified, saying he believes that there are many qualified women who would flourish in venture. But what's your reaction to his remarks?
0: I think it's, you know, it's a good question. It's, It's hard for people to change. Like, there's a system that worked really well for them. And they think it's a great system because it worked for them. And they don't have the ability to think outside of that system. And for us, what we're trying to do with Project Include is bring in all these different views. We've got eight women who have done phenomenal things, each one a tremendous leader in tech. And these are our, you know, recommendations. So you can not think about them and continue to live in your world, or you can open up and really hear other people's ideas and really think about what are you missing by having you know, this static system.
1: So Sequoia is the most successful venture capital firm in history. So the argument could be made, does diversity matter? doesn't matter if they have women.
0: Could they be better? So I don't think they got where they are by, you know, resting on their laurels. So what are the ways they could be better? Is it, you know, can they bring in more people who are more diverse, not just by gender, but also by race and also by um, other metrics? So how can you really think about, like, who are the best people for your firm if you can't look beyond a certain set of person?
1: Do you think women should try to, you know, for lack of a better word, integrate into male-dominated VC funds? Or should they go off and start their own thing, like Aileen Lee did with Cowboy and Teresa Go has done with Aspect?
0: That's a good question. It's It depends on the woman. It really, there's not one solution that fits every situation, and it's not um, and all women are the same. So there are some women who are going to thrive in a situation where um, where it's dominated by men, and there are some women who aren't. And so there are going to be some environments where they're just not receptive to women. I think it's great that people are starting their own firms. I think it's going to take women finding the next Facebook, you know, um, black VC finding the next um you know, Twitter or the next, you know, Google, and that's going to be what turns people around. And we have to get as many of those people out investing and given opportunities in order to see that happen. Brought to you by BASF. We create chemistry.
1: Some of the other changes you were experimenting with at Reddit, no negotiation for salary, Mm -hmm. for example, in addition to cracking down on online harassment, do you think if you were someone else who'd made those bold moves if you were a man would you still be there?
0: I have no idea. You'd have to ask my board, but I think they were um you know, they were open to the experiments and a lot of them actually came from Ishan. So he had started Yishan, some the
1: former CEO. Sorry,
0: Ishan Wong, the <laughs> former CEO of Reddit who brought me into Reddit but so he had some ideas that he was experimenting with and I codified some of them and one of them was the no negotiation policy I thought it was a great idea I looked at the research on how women and minorities get penalized when they negotiate um, and they are less likely to negotiate and when they so it seemed like it was the right thing to do to create a fair process and we also looked at some of the salaries at Reddit and There was just such a disparity based on who was negotiating, based on the manager who was negotiating, that we wanted to fix it and create this fair environment where people could be paid what they were worth.
1: I mean, you're obviously not someone who would shy away from a difficult situation. So if they, like, wanted you to stay, would you have stayed? I
0: mean... That's all in the past. And I'm, like, very happy where I am now. And I'm happy with what I've been doing. And I'm excited to move forward.
1: Um, I want to do... I do want to talk a little bit more about this issue of online harassment because... Women especially are subjected to harassment on the Internet that men just don't have to face. How would you describe what women face online, from trolling to death threats to misogyny? How would you describe it?
0: I think you really have to see it and experience it. I'm sure you've seen some of it. Mm -hmm. It's... um, and you have to be in it because it's, you know, you know, you see a lot of people who will share like this is the worst tweet or there's here's a set of mean tweets. But it's when it's coming at you all of the time and when it's coming at you from all of these different platforms and when it's coordinated. So they're using the same words in the same language. It is a, you know, it's a it's a very um, broad set of experiences where it's at you and it's everywhere and you don't know how to make it stop. And that's a very emotional and psychological impact that it has and it's really I can't really just explain it in words.
1: How would you describe what you faced online like and the horrible things that you read I know at a certain point you stopped reading it but yeah like what effect does that have on you?
0: For me there was a part of it where I was just more willed to make the changes that Reddit because you know if this is what people are doing to me like what are they doing to other people and you know, I've got this whole team of people who are super supportive and who are helping. What is it doing to that like 16-year-old girl or that you know 14-year-old um, black kid who you know doesn't have the same set of resources, might not know how to communicate um, to get help, might not understand that this is part of the internet? It made me feel like there was a um, more, even more of a reason to try to move the harassment off the site.
1: I've been on the receiving end of it on Twitter, and I've. I've asked people at Twitter, you know, why can't you get a handle on this? And to me, it seems like it should be so easy, but why is it so hard? Why is it so hard for tech companies to prevent it? I mean, couldn't
0: you just censor certain words? (laughs) It's hard because you want there to be a lot of dialogue on your platform. Mm -hmm. That it's great for people to discuss issues, even if they're unpleasant issues, even if they're issues that are complicated that might require using words that we don't use in everyday speech. And when you try to draw the line of when is that um, allowed and when is that not allowed, what's free speech, what's not, and you have you know, professors at Harvard Law School trying to work it out. So you know, is that employee who's working there on an hourly basis making 20 or $30 an hour really going to be able to figure it out a 100 times a day? Mm-hmm. It's a very hard problem that you need to figure out with a mix of you know, building the culture on your site so people just don't do it a mix of very clear rules that people understand so they can follow. A lot of it is up to the community. You can't have people policing every single comment on the site. It's got to be the community understands what's expected of it and doesn't um, engage in the behavior that it's expected not to engage in.
1: But isn't anonymity and just the nature of online, you know, people just say things they would never say to your
0: face? It's true, and that makes it a harder problem, and that means you have to come up with rules that are going to make... Expectations clearer and that are going to set some boundaries.
1: Do you think there's any connection between online harassment that women especially face and trolling, to real life, real world harassment or real the way women
0: are treated in the real world, especially in the tech industry? So it's interesting that you say that because online harassment is the real world. So you know it is different because I, you know, if I'm. Um, harassing, like I'm behind the keyboard, I don't see you by the face, by your face, so I'm, you know, typing these things out on my phone or on my keyboard about you on Twitter, and I think, oh, this is online. But you are experiencing it in the real world. Yeah. So there's not, you know, there's this artificial disconnect between what is happening on the internet and what is actually happening in the real world. All of this is actually real world.
1: You've been listening to Ellen Powell, former junior partner at Kleiner Perkins, who sued Kleiner for gender discrimination and lost on all counts. She was also former interim CEO of Reddit and just launched her latest act called Project Include, an initiative focused on speeding up diversity and inclusion in technology, which she's done with a number of other women in Silicon Valley. I want to start on her reaction, Brad, to Mike Moritz's comments, chairman of Sequoia. She sounded almost resigned,
2: Right, uh, she said that it's hard for people to change a system that has worked so well for them. I think that's valid. You know, I I personally tend to, you know, take uh um, Mike Moritz and his colleagues at their word that they are looking to to diversify and to hire a female partner and I think, you know, we'll, you know, this this discussion's been happening for the last year. I think uh soon it'll be time to judge their efforts and whether they've been successful, but certainly people are waiting for them to uh, make a change.
1: Now, just to give you an idea of how big an issue it remains, in Silicon Valley, you know, most technology companies, at least the big technology companies that have reported their numbers, like Google and Apple and Facebook, uh, they're still 70% male. And, uh, you know, when it comes to technical roles, even more male-dominated women make up sometimes less than 20% of positions in technical roles, which, you know, is is part of the reason that uh, she's focusing on companies that are much smaller than Apple and Google and Facebook, because at a certain point, it's too late to move the needle at some of these places. And at a a venture capital firm, it's really interesting that, um, you know, these are much smaller, much smaller firms. And yet, it seems to. It seems like it's just taking so long
2: for them it to does, hire women. But, but, you know, the fact that uh, these companies are releasing their numbers now and that they're being measured by their progress is such an uh, incredible uh, And that we're
1: talking about that's it. That's right. And I think that's something that Ellen Powell. Pau, you know, even though helped. she lost, she started this conversation. That's true. I think her points about online bullying and online harassment were really interesting. It's something that I've been thinking about a lot. Just, I mean, being on the receiving end of, of comments on Twitter, like, every single day. And I can't imagine what she faced. And, you know, even when I tweeted out this interview with her, you know, I saw some of the hate that she was getting in response. And it's relentless.
2: I can't even imagine. You know, at the end of last month, there was a viral video that made the rounds of... Men reading to female sports writers and sportscasters out loud some of the hate email and hate comments that they get, and it's remarkable. And 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 similar to the discrimination debate, this is the kind of thing is is now coming out into the open. And I think people are starting to consider, hopefully, what some of the real world ramifications are of of sending some of these messages.
1: Yeah, and I thought her point was, you know, really valid. Like this is the real world. I'm I'm reading it. I'm a person. It does affect me in real life and you know i think at a certain point she just stopped reading all that stuff but you i know, think you
2: have to right for just to protect yourself
1: especially though when you work in technology you're supposed to be on these platforms um so it, you know it'll be really interesting to see how companies like reddit uh, handle this how company twitter has said they are working on it it's it's taking a long time periscope uh you know another you know the part of twitter now they're also working on it but it's a it's a difficult problem to, to solve because you don't want to destroy the community Um, But you want to clean it up. Next week, we are back with more. We'll hear from Silicon Valley's legendary entrepreneur and investor, Peter Thiel, a polarizing and sometimes controversial visionary. He has started six of his own funds. He co-founded PayPal, co-founded Palantir. He backed SpaceX and Elon Musk. And we will get a glimpse of what he's interested in investing in next and much more. Make sure you subscribe to the Studio 1.0 podcast. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and at bloomberg.com slash podcasts. And don't forget, leave us a rating. It'll help more listeners discover our content. And finally, here's a shout out to our editor, Aaron Black, our producer, Pia Godkari, and our whole technical crew. And many thanks, of course, to Bradstone, our global head of tech at Bloomberg News. You can find him on Twitter at Bradstone. And keep following me at Emily Chang TV on Twitter. We'll see you next time.
0: Brought to you by BASF, we create chemistry.